0: When I was a young fellow, back in 1965, a song was released. Back then it was called, People Get Ready. It was first sang by the group called The Impressions, but it was written by Curtis Mayfield. I liked the song. Most people did. Matter of fact, it was received so well. Rolling Stone magazine called it the 24th greatest song of all time. I want to read you part of the verses in this thing. People get ready, there's a train a-coming. You don't need no baggage, you just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. You don't need no ticket, you just thank the Lord. Not just this verse, but all the verses allude to saving faith, all of them. And this morning we're going to consider the nature of saving faith, and in doing so we're going to view the life of Abraham. He is recognized as the father of our faith and this is all highlighted by a promise God made to him. Our primary text will be in Genesis 22 verses 1 through 14. Our focus is going to address these points, what faith is, the power of faith, and God's ultimate purpose For Abraham's seed. What is the seed of Abraham? Well simply put it's God's fulfilling of a promise to Abraham. He promised an offspring or more accurately a righteous seed which could sometimes refer to a single person or multiple people. Since we're considering the nature of saving faith, I'm going to begin with faith. Well, what is it? We get a clear explanation of it in Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Now, forgive me, I use the the, uh, New King James Version because I want to focus on the word evidence just for a moment. Just as our physical senses give evidence of the material world, faith is the sense that gives evidence of the spiritual. The Bible doesn't tell us to take a blind leap of faith. In truth, faith can only be understood spiritually. Faith goes beyond our physical senses. The words, things hope for, the substance of things unseen, tell us, That if you can see it, or you can feel it, or you can touch it, you don't need faith. The worst things hoped for. We as believers trust God's promises. In fact, his word tells us he has always kept them, and we know that he always will keep them. Because of faith, we believe Just as an instance, we we can't see him, we can't feel him, we can't touch him, but we know he's there. Isaiah 41.10 says to us, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There we go. We have peace with God in Jesus. John 16:33 I have said these things unto you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world. We trust Jesus. Amen. He is our peace. It's only by faith that we can truly understand God's infinite mercy. He has blessed us beyond all reasoning. Throughout history, man has constantly displayed his own wretchedness. We know that. We have proved over and over again our total depravity. But Paul says it in Romans 3.10. There is none righteous, no, not one. What a stigma. How do we overcome that? We can only overcome it by faith. In Romans 4.3, we see this. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Paul's quoting Genesis 15.6. This in no way contradicts Paul's quote in Romans 3.10. We just read, Abraham, like all men, possessed no righteousness of his own. It is God who counts Abraham's faith as righteousness. We could pick any name in this room who believe, and we could say the same thing. I see my buddy Mike out there. You could say Mike believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. In Romans 4.3, we see this. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, accounted unto him for Righteousness. Hebrews 11.8 shows us by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out. Not knowing where he was going, but because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, he put all his trust in God. Trust means to firmly believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. We'll see a true test of Abraham's faith in Genesis 22, 1 through 14. If you want to, you can turn your Bibles to Genesis 22. We're gonna read all the verses. As if I can turn this page. Did uh. I snap it? Hmm. There we go. Verse 1, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eye and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go over yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here here am I, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad, Or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Father, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would work mightily in this room this morning, Lord. That your spirit would give us the ability to discern your great and glorious word, Father. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would would make sure that your glory, Father, falls heavily on this place this morning, Lord. And, Lord, we ask that you would bless us with your word and give us that great understanding that we need, Father. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Abraham demonstrated his belief in God's promise, which said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. And in verse 5 we, we noted that Abraham... Tells his servants, stay here, the boy and I will come back to you, right? So God said to your son, your only son, yet we know that Abraham had two sons. The other one called Ishmael, but Isaac was the son of promise, wasn't he? Abraham put his faith in the promise of God. He knew that through Isaac, his seed would be called. And so Abraham responded, in God's command, as responded to God's command and rose early and saddled his donkey, took two servants and Isaac with him, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and went to the place where God had told him. Abraham didn't really understand it all, but he trusted God, didn't he? That's the way our lives work. Sometimes we don't understand things that God does. We think they're going to turn out of one way and they turn out another way. But it's not our will, it's God's will, isn't it? But we have to trust him in everything, don't we? There's nothing in the text that shows how Abraham felt. Not because he didn't feel, he obviously did, but only because he walked by faith and not by his feelings. Feelings have nothing to do with our salvation, by the way. Anyway, the boy and I will go over there, we will worship, and then... We will come back to you by the way, this is the first time we' we'll, you see the word worship in, in the Bible in genesis twenty two anyway, Hebrews here it is hebrews eleven seventeen through nineteen we read by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who has received the promise offered his only begotten son, of whom it was said in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, he knew that God would never break his promise. He has never broken one, and he never will. Again, in Hebrews 11, one, it said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things once seen. In this New King James translation, we see the word evidence, which is, by definition, is the available body of facts or information indicating whether a belief or proposition is true or valid. But true faith has nothing to do with empirical evidence where our faith comes by divine assurance it's god's assurance right. if you're really saved you know you're saved he assures you that you're saved right, right. the word substance of things hoped for is it's not like it's not like rooting for your, your we'll use a ravens football team you got to hope they win today right you know But that's not it at all. It's nothing like that, is it? When the Lord told Abraham to go from your country and kindred to your father's house and to a land, I will show you he literally took the walk of faith and obeyed God, not even knowing where he was going. That's a walk of faith, isn't it? Then Abraham was tested in Genesis 22. We see that he had Complete faith and trust in God. Without his faith, I doubt that he would have agreed to sacrifice him. And he was going to sacrifice him. Okay? Or at least he would have questioned it. Right? But he had complete faith and trust in God, didn't he? Sometimes we can be hard, or sometimes it can be hard to hold our faith. For example... When a person with a debilitating disease who for years is under treatment with drugs which are seemingly more punishing than the disease itself, and it seems like there's no end to it, they can begin to lose hope. I've seen this. It happened to Job. Job, remember the one in Job 15, 13, 15 said, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. But in an earlier chapter, chapter 7, verse 6, he says, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. We're human, aren't we? Only through God's strength can we hold our face. I love the old hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. One of the verses says, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near leaning on the everlasting arms. Put, put your trust in Jesus. No matter what this world throws at us, put your trust in him. Now, Faith has power. Dwight L. Moody said, Faith makes all things possible. Jesus himself said, for truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. John, and I'm gonna, this is a good story about faith. I have a partialness toward the gospel of John. Some of you know why, but anyway, in John 4, 46 through 53, we see this story. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water to wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. This rebuke wasn't aimed at the, at the nobleman. It was aimed at the crowd. Jesus knew the crowd's focus was on signs and wonders and not on Jesus. Jesus knew that they lacked real faith. Curiosity seekers, maybe. Since seekers to see something sensational, maybe. But it wasn't faith in Jesus, was it? With the utterance of this rebuke, it could have caused this nobleman to lose hope. But this wasn't the case. He was undeterred because he was not looking for signs or wonders. He just wanted his son to be healed. And he somehow knew that Jesus was the one to do it. Now remember, he traveled from Capernaum to Cana, a distance of about 16 and a half miles And at a brisk walk at about 3.1 miles per hour, which we, we can walk at, it would take him over five hours to get there. And in verse 49 says, the nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. The nobleman believed Jesus and rather casually went his way, somehow knowing that the Lord's power could reach from Capernaum to Cana, or Cana to Capernaum. When he was still on his way, his servant met him with the news his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Jesus not only healed the son physically, he healed a whole family of spiritual blindness, didn't he? You're going to hear this again, but everything God does, he does with a purpose. Okay. Without faith, Hebrews tells us it's impossible to please God. God's always present. We know that, even in this modern time. This on a more personal note again. My sister-in-law, who is now 75 years old, suffered from chronic acute leukemia, which was always terminal back in 1951. She was four and a half years old, deathly sick on her bed. He told Mrs. O'Neill to go home, but Mrs. O'Neill went right to the chapel. Although this situation seemed hopeless, here's what she prayed. This is my mother-in-law, by the way. Father, end this suffering and take her or give her back to me. Well, Anne's 75 years old now. She raised four kids. God chose to give her back to her. Faith. That's what did it. Faith. There we are. Next morning, little Ann was sitting up in her bed. And of course, the doctors and men of science, they were completely perplexed. They didn't know, they didn't know what happened. We know, though, don't we? Mrs. O'Neill gave her daughter to God, put her, put her right in God's hands, and God delivered her. Back to Abraham. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I love how Abraham answered here. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. At this point, Abraham didn't know how God was going to provide him. Provide, anyway, he simply trusted that he would. He just knew that God's promise would be fulfilled. Remember the promise he made. God honors all his promises. And while they reached the place God told him about, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood. Okay? Okay. At this point, Abraham was over 100 years old. Now, if Isaac chose to avoid death, he could have went. And Abraham could do very little about it. But Isaac was obedient to his father, wasn't he? he? He trusted his father. This is a good display of Isaac's faith, isn't it? Kind of reminds you of the prayer... Of Jesus at Gethsemane in Matthew twenty six thirty nine, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, "My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will." And so Jesus willingly walked to that cross, fully trusting the Father. Before Abraham reached out and took the knife he understood anything was possible and this he knew that it was impossible for God to break that promise and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said Abraham Abraham so he said here I am and he said As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And boy, was it. We have, we, we have to believe that Abraham was willing to plunge the knife. Not because he knew that God would stop him, but because he knew that God could raise Isaac from the dead. We just read that in Hebrews eleven nineteen. In this test, God could have allowed Abraham to carry out the sacrifice, but sometimes God takes the willingness to commit the sacrifice and often will not require it. Every now and then, he'll call a Christian to the mission field and that he or she may not ever get there. Perhaps God's testing their willingness because he has something else planned for them to do. And make no mistake, he has plans for all of us to do certain things. God asked Abraham for this ultimate display of commitment just as he demonstrated his love and commitment to us, not withholding his only begotten son And so Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Well, God still required the sacrifice. He didn't call it off. He he merely required that there be a substitute that he provided himself. He named this hill in reference to what he experienced. He called it Mount Provision. And we know that on that same mount, God made the, the, the only sacrifice that could have been made, the perfect sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who John the Baptist called the Lamb of God. This event also pictures Jesus rising from the dead on the third day. In 1 Corinthians, it says, He rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. But where does it say that the Messiah will rise on the third day in the Old Testament? It says it right here. It says. And here the picture, in the picture of Isaac, Abraham reckon, reckoned Isaac as dead as soon as God gave the command to sacrifice him. Isaac was then made alive three days later when the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham from plunging the knife. John MacArthur points out that Abraham received Isaac back from the dead as it were, even though Isaac had not been slain. a similarity here both Jesus and Isaac were loved by their father each of them each offered themselves willingly Jesus and Isaac both carried the wood to be used for the sacrifice and both were sacrificed on the same hill and both were delivered from death on the third day Paul tells us in Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And by faith, we count ourselves crucified with Christ. We are no longer dead in sins and trespasses and we're raised again unto new life in fact we state this publicly when we're baptized don't we we're new creatures same old body same old tent but we're new creatures in Christ Jesus in John 18:37 It says, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus replied, For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. This cause also... Included the cross, obviously. The prophet Isaiah told us he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. That's Isaiah 53.8. In faith, we trust Christ's finished work and the blood that was shed on the cross. Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. no remission for sins i should say anyway genesis 22:15 says then the angel of the lord called to abraham a second time he called him out of heaven and said by myself i have sworn says the lord because you have done this thing and i have not withheld your son I mean, and, uh, and, excuse me, and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham's faith was verified by his obedience as it was written Abraham believed God and was counted as righteousness because he believed God all the nations of the earth shall be blessed God appeared to Abram before he changed his name to Abraham he spoke to him about his future seed and Paul Explains to us in Galatians three twenty nine, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. God required a sacrifice, so Abraham took the knife and was ready to sacrifice Isaac, but through God's grace, he himself provided a ram for sacrifice. We're God's people only because of His grace. Paul makes it clear to us that the wages of sin is death. And he then goes on to tell us that the gift of God is eternal life. While it should have been us hanging on that cross, God himself provided his only begotten son. Again, the one that John the Baptist called the Lamb of God. And since we are Abraham's seed according to the promise, we might ask, what is our purpose? Why are we as Abraham's seed? Since by faith we trust Christ's finished work and we believe his gospel, we have a special relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We are the church of Christ. Titus 4, 2.14 tells us, Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Jesus told Pilate, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Jesus also tells us in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, except through me. Therefore Paul writes in Romans 1, 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith the just shall live by faith. In other words, we're justified by faith. Charles Haddon Spurgeon calls verse 17 the sum and substance of the gospel. That is, the just shall live by faith. Wherefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Therefore, we are given faith for Christ's sake. For whose sake? For Christ's sake. Abraham trusted and obeyed God, and God told him in your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. In Mark 16:15, the words of Christ. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is our calling. To sum things up, we're the seed of Abraham. We are the people of faith. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And like Jesus, we are called by God to bear witness to the truth. See, God doesn't choose us randomly. We're chosen individually by God and for God. God chose Abraham, he chose Isaac, he chose Paul, Peter, all the disciples, and he calls all who come to his son Jesus, and because we are in Jesus, we are redeemed from lawlessness and ready to do the work that God has prepared for us from the foundation of the world, long before this world existed. Nice to know we were part of God's plan, isn't it? Every journey starts with the first step. Of course, ours started with the gift of faith, faith which comes to us to save us for Christ's sake. And remember, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Brothers and sisters, we dare not be silent. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Our task couldn't be more simple. We make delivery of the good news. And then we hope and pray that the Spirit applies it to their hearts. And of those that receive it, what happens then? Then we disciple them so they can grow in the richness of God's word and in the love of Jesus Christ. That's that man's job right there. And it's our job too. Jesus told Pilate that everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Presents an interesting question. How do we find them? We don't. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We just go and tell. God will find them, won't he? Ephesians, here's an uplifting thing. I'd include some uplifting stuff here anyway in Ephesians one eleven through 14 Paul tells us in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory romans 8:29 paul says those he foreknew he also uh, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's our destiny, isn't it? Become the image of his son, and one day we will be. We're not there yet. But when we see him face to face, then we'll be just like him. How you like that for a promise, huh? We're gonna be just like Jesus one day. Easy to see why they call it good news. Now, if I could just turn this last page here, we'll get on with it. There we go. Another uplifting one here. Paul tells us in Romans 8, 38 and 39, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. in. Christ Jesus our Lord we're blessed we know what our purpose is now don't we we're the church of Jesus Christ if we don't do it nobody will father we We ask that you would give us a determined heart to spread the good news. Father, we we ask that you would help us speak boldly through the strength of your Holy Spirit. And Father, make our lives a reflection of the glorious light of our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, keep us strong in faith and obedient to your will. And Lord, we ask all these things in the name of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.